0: Father, thank you for calling us your daughters and your sons. Thank you for adopting us, bringing us into your family. Jesus, we thank you that you condescended yourself. You literally stepped out of heaven in humility. That you willingly gave up your spirit in order to secure our ransom. That now you sit at the right hand of your Father, and that one day you will come again to judge the living and the dead in all of your glorious splendor. Holy Spirit, thank you that we are sealed by you. Thank you that you are a comforter and our counselor, the one that illuminates our hearts and our minds to the holy Scriptures. And so we ask now that you would do that. You would go before us. You would strengthen us. You would build us up for your glory. For your fame. In Jesus name. Amen. Um, so my wife is an Anglophile. Uh, what that means is she's into all things British. My middle name is Britain. So, you know, there's that. I've got a couple of dad jokes and pastor jokes this, this morning. Um, you'll, you'll hear them because nobody's going to laugh. Okay, that was one of them. That was dad pastor joke number one. Um, so when we started dating, I knew nothing about British literature she claims she learned it in public school. I don't remember reading books in public school. Um, you know, I got into A&M, which it was a better time to get into a and back then. Um, so we start dating, and I'm starting to learn about um, Charlotte Bronte and some other people that I'd never heard of. And so I'm starting to get into this. Um, and our first uh, married couple, obviously outside of our um, honeymoon, the first vacation we went on as a married couple was to go to England. Um, We had eight days there, really fun, really exciting. The point was that she was finally going to get to see the sites that she'd been reading about all of her life. So we we get on a bus in London, we head to Oxford, and for two nights um, we do the Oxford thing and I'm like geeking out. Um, Don't hold me to this, I think Jesus might return over Oxford because there's a bunch of spires, but... It's this beautiful, beautiful place. Um, I think the best preachers have preached there. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. So then we're on to a different town. So we get on a train. We head to Salisbury. Never heard of it. Um, I hear they have steaks there. It's a dad joke too. Yes. Nice. Love it. Um, so we show up in Salisbury. We drop our bags off um, at, at the B&B. We start walking through town, and it's this quaint little deal. Uh, the highest building there is two stories. We had dinner that night in a cafe that was like 646 years old. It was just mind-blowing. And Katie said that there was uh, some big church there that we should see. So we start walking through the center of town. We go through the old city gate, which is awesome. It's like four million years old or something. And we hit this orchard, we go through the gate. We hit the orchard. I still don't see a church. And then we come out from under the canopies into this meadow, and there it is. And it's the biggest, most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. The Salisbury Cathedral. So we, uh, we go in. Um, for some reason, Katie got sidetracked by the Magna Carta or something like that um, when we walked in because they've got four copies there. Um, but I, like, I walk in, and I, go, I start doing this. And I keep looking up and I keep looking up and I keep looking up because the ceiling just doesn't stop. And there was this moment for me that I never expected to have. Um, I felt a physical fear of God. Um, the, The sentiment that was happening internally was if the God that is big enough to fill this space, if he pulled to Mount Sinai and showed up physically right now, I'd literally drop dead. And it was this surreal, beautiful moment with the Lord. I remember walking away thinking, man, that's a church. Stained glass windows, flying buttresses, um, dead people parked in the walls. Like, this is a church. The problem, though, is what I just said flies in the face of the New Testament. Salisbury Cathedral is not the church. It's a building where the church gathers. You, beautiful people, are the church. And by the way, you look great today. Everybody's tanned from vacation. You guys look great. You are the church. You are the church. Um, We've been uh, marching through the Apostles' Creed all summer. And we, we now come to the place where we've left the celestial and we enter the earthly. Um, what we've been saying all along is when we say, I believe in God, the father, what we're saying is I'm convinced to my core that God is my father. I'm convinced to my core that Jesus Christ is his only son, our Lord. I'm convinced to my core that he gave up his spirit, that he was resurrected, that he has ascended, that he sits at the right hand of his father right now. Last week, Bishop Sandy got us to the place where we say, I'm convinced to my core that the Holy Spirit is real. He's living, he's active, he moves. And now we get to the church. Now we get to this place where we get to say, as a people, I'm convinced to my core of the church, the church. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And if you'll allow me this morning, we're going to just put those two together because the saints are the church. So from here on out, we're just going to call it the church if you'll allow me. So real quick, we need to define some terms. Um, The church is the family of God the Father. The church is the body of Christ the Son and the church is the dwelling place or the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is not a building. The church is a people. And the Apostles' Creed says that this church is holy. And what that means is that we are set apart. We're consecrated to holy God. Um, and if you've been here, not, not at Grace, but in the church for a while, you know that we're not that great at being nice to each other. We, uh, we're schismatic. We, we like to go this way, and we like to get mad at people across the aisle. Yet God is saying that this church is holy, set apart. The Apostles' Creed also says that this church is Catholic, Um, not not Roman Catholic, but little c Catholic, meaning the universal church, all believers at all times, in all places. Uh, Jesus doesn't have a black church. He doesn't have a white church. He doesn't have an American church or an Indonesian church. He just has a church. He has one church. Um, This church is huge. It's currently at 2 billion and counting, praise God. Um, Yet this church is also really small. Um, What we get to do here on Sunday mornings as a family at Grace is church because we're together. Um... I've experienced church at El Machito before with some of you. I've experienced church at HEB. Um, There's just kind of a passing statement. And you've ministered to me and my family all across the city. And so the church is this huge, colossal thing, yet it's intimate. Um, If you guys would open your Bible apps or if you've got a hard copy um, we're gonna go to First Peter. It's what the hipsters do, you know. They all do the Bible on the, whatever. no big deal. First Peter two is where we're gonna be camping out this morning. Um, just so you know, the Apostles' Creed didn't make this up, so we're gonna see where the Apostles' Creed gets all this from this morning. Starting in verse four, as you come to Him, a living stone. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are his. So, a couple of observations from 1 Peter here is one, God's building a spiritual house. Um, Bishop Sandy is going to explain that later, uh, what that actually means. But he's building this thing that's spiritual in nature, and it involves us. one thing to note is that he's not building it out of bricks. The, the, the structure is not cookie cutter. It's not all the same. It's built out of stones. And if you've ever seen a stone house, each piece of it is different. It's unique. Yet collectively, it builds a home. It's beautiful. Um, the purpose of this spiritual house is twofold. One, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Again, see Bishop Sandy for that. Um, What I want to talk about this morning is what we see in verse 9 that we're to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, with this as our marching orders to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So, Jesus is building this beautiful mosaic spiritual house, this temple, for this purpose to declare the excellencies of Christ. So I'm glad the apostles were really smart because they put the church in the right order here. So we finish with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then we've got the benefits of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, the life everlasting. And right in the middle is the church. Right in the middle is this beautiful, messy thing that's filled with leaky vessels at best. And yet God has chosen her to give the gospel. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We, church, are the avenues through which God gets his message across. We are the ones that he's chosen to graft us in to be a part of his family business. And so if we could just pause and, and think through that for just a moment. Every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation from all time is coming into this collective whole called the church. Which, by the way, um, we sung one of the songs that we're all going to sing one day in the future. Like we're all going to be in the same choir one day. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is coming together. God is building them up to declare his excellencies, to declare his excellencies. So he's gathering us. He's going to send us out, but there's another piece here. And so if you'll do the same thing on your phones or your hard copies, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. It's so a middle piece before we get sent out. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So there's interim step here. Once we're gathered once we take Jesus up on his offer and we enter the church, we've got to be built up before we're sent out. So the church is divi- designed for mission. And the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, they've been given for our benefit. They've been given for our nourishment. Verse 13 Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the church must become mature so that she can live out her mission. Verse 14 tells us why. See, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The church must be built up. And Jesus has sent us to each other to build each other up. So what that means is that we've got to learn to pray. And this is a great place to do that. Um, We've got to learn the scriptures. We've got to learn theology. Like, we've got to be built up. Um, I don't don't know if you've seen this phenomenon, but every Christmas and Easter, I've got family that uh, get real ruffled uh, because some dude on you know, Discovery Channel, some Greek expert starts talking about, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls and like, did you know Jesus had a wife? And I'm like, did you know that that professor like teaches at Tomball College? He's not not an expert, right? Like, but they get all into this frenzy because there's these other teachings that they've never heard. When we as the church, the historic faith that's been passed down has already refuted all of that. Like, that's, that's old business, right? But if we keep getting tripped up by that stuff, how effective are we on our mission? We're not. So the point is for us to be built up so that we can be sent out. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Um, Romans 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 12 both talk about the body of Christ being made up of many parts. Each one has its own function. Um, some are given the gift of teaching to exhort and to encourage believers. Um, some are given the gift of hospitality. Some of you in this room have been given that gift and And I know it. Please stop or make it less fattening. I don't know. Dad life. Um, Like some of you have been given the gift of discernment. And all of us together are supposed to work together to build each other up into maturity. Why? So that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. That's the point of this thing. The the reason why we've been given these gifts is to build each other up, to encourage each other, to nourish each other. Um, One of my best friends is here this morning, and he has the gift of discernment. And that hurts a lot of times. Um, But it's been so, so good for me. And thank God that he uses it. Uh, Another one is... um, wicked smart and somehow can read institutes, Calvin's institutes in the morning and by breakfast um, he's got it distilled into a nice little like, you know, excursus for me. And that has been for my nourishment. It's been for my ministry. And so I thank God that those two men walk in those giftings. Um, Can I just say real quick, this is the best most uh, edifying place I've ever been in. Um, when I read Ephesians 4, I see you all. Like, you guys are killing it. Um, you're walking into your giftings, you're building each other up. My family will never be the same. We've only been here, what, 20 months, 22 months? Um, God has done so much through you all for me. Um, the way the church works is if we're one body, many parts. Is if one of those parts doesn't work well, we all suffer. Case in point: last week, I'm at La Gloria. The uh, the hostess says I've got your seat outside. I'm not watching. I've got some rainbows on, and I kick a brick with my little toe, and uh, broke that bad boy pretty good. Um, and what I found out this week. In the last eight days, is you really need your little toe. You do. Like, it doesn't look like much, but man, when that thing is broken, you can't do anything. Like, I'm going fishing tomorrow, and I bet there's going to be something with my cast where my little toe is not working. Right? So, when one of us is not living into our giftings, we suffer. We suffer. The reason why God has gathered all of us together, the reason why he does it all across this world is so that we can be built up to be sent out. Um, This is why we want to plant down the Broadway corridor. We want to see more of this. Uh, This is why we train you up. This is why we pray over you at the back so that you can be built up and then sent out. It's this beautiful, beautiful thing. The church is huge. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's made up of lots of messy people like myself. And yet it's the hope of the world. So I want us to, uh, as we kind of transition, want us to ask a few questions. Do you know that you are the church? Do you know that you're the church? Do you know that you need the church. And do you know that the church needs you? That's probably the one you're going to get hung up on this morning. Do you know that the church needs you? Every single one of you. Um, I've got some well-meaning family members and friends that have said, you know, my church is the ocean or the mountains. Like that's where I really, you know, get along with God. And And here's what I'd say to that. That's not church. That's just solitude. And that's good. Like, go be in the mountains. I'm going to go have some time with some friends tomorrow down at the coast, and we're going to slay some fish. And I'm going to pray while I'm doing it. But that's not church. Um, I've also heard people say, um, you know, I don't need to go to a local body. I've got a host of podcast preachers that I get all my teaching from. And can I just tell you, I've done that before, and what I need is a pastor, not a podcast. I need Bishop Sandy to ride his Vespa over once a week, if not more, and show up and knock and ask me how I'm doing. And then hopefully I'm super honest with him, and then he prays over me, and everything's better, right? Like, I don't need a podcast, I need a pastor, Um, real quick, if, if for some reason grace isn't the best local body for you to plug into, um, can I give you some suggestions of some great friends in this city that are pastors? There's some wonderful, wonderful gospel-believing churches here. And if this isn't the place where you can plug in and be your all for Jesus, like go there, right? Because the point is not that Jesus is building his church just here at Grace Northridge. In fact, he's building his whole church in San Antonio. So the point is that you would get built up and that you would plug in because if you're not being employed with your giftings, then we as the church in San Antonio are missing out. People are not hearing the gospel because you're not living into your calling. There's a great... um, quote by an old dead guy in the 3rd century named Cyprian. He says this, You cannot have God for your father unless you have the church for your mother. You cannot have God for your father unless you have the church for your mother. Now, I say that, I quote that, knowing that every one of us in here has been hurt. Every one of us feels like the church has hurt us in some way, or some individual in the church has blown it, right? Um, some of us don't think that the church historically, not just Grace Northridge, but Universal, has done enough to care for the poor. Um, some of us have felt like they've not done enough with social justice issues. Most men I get to talk to say this you know what? The church has missed my heart. And it's elevated doctrine over what's going on internally. And all I really wanted was to have a brother to listen to me and help me navigate this pain and this hurt. And if that's you, which, by the way, it's all of you, I get it. I've been there. Um, I heard this week that from a guy, it was a text message, you know, I'm down with Jesus. I really love his people. But this church thing is really difficult for me. He's been burned. And, and if you have some sentiments like that, can I just tell you that that's okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Like it's okay if you feel hurt by the church, but it's not okay to stay there. Um, it, it may seem counterintuitive, but the very place where you feel the pain center is, is the very place that God has ordained to heal you. This people... It's who God has ordained to heal you. Um, you know, I get people that, that come to me in a counseling situation, and they're really mad at the church and for whatever reason. And, you know, I kind of walk away and thinking, like, where else do you think I would send you? Like, you're mad at the church, and I'm, I'm going to obviously tell you to stay in the church. But where else would I send you? I mean, Oprah's not going to help. Like, daytime TV's not going to work. Instagram followers is not going to heal you. The self-help section is not going to do it. The church is meant for our healing and our building up. And as we close, um, you know, we, we, the church, not just the guys up front, we, we carry this message with us. And it's a message of reconciliation. And it's a message that says, I was once an enemy of God. Now he's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And there's grace and there's forgiveness and there's service. And if we are the people who hold this message, then can we this morning be honest and just say, I've messed up. I've held forgiveness from the church at large, or I've held forgiveness from someone in the church like we are the bride of christ and so if we carry his message forward then we've got to do it here at home like don't believe anything i say up here unless you see me living it out at 602 larkwood if i can't do it at home don't believe what i say in public so we as the church need to love and to forgive and serve one another. The church is beautiful. She's the bride of Christ. She's the hope of the world, and she's your hope. And so if you guys would bow your heads, um, I want to read Paul's pastoral plea to the Ephesian believers over you. I want you to think about what he said to them. These are for you, church. These are for you. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all grow up into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son. That we will be mature in the Lord. We won't be immature any longer like children. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, for he is the head. He makes this whole body fit together perfectly, and as each one does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do. They are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They have hardened their hearts. They have no sense of shame. But, family, listen to this. That isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old ways, your former way of life, which is corrupted. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. In your attitudes. Tell your neighbors the truth. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't use foul or abusive language. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, God has identified you as His own, He is guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and slander instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Jesus, um, thank you for calling us to be your own. Thank you for building us up into a spiritual house, even though we don't really understand what it means. And Jesus, We just confess to you that we have not treated your bride well at times. We have held grudges against her. Lord, forgive us, heal us, use each other to do this, Lord. May we begin to see the beauties that is the church. May we begin to um, fall in line with right belief and right teaching there. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? Make us more like Christ. Lord, we must forgive. Help us. Lord, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. We need you and we love you. Amen.